Pickleball? Pickleball. Pickleball. Hey everyone, welcome back to season four of the What Do We Do podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by one of the top pickleball entrepreneurs in the game today, Thomas Shields. Thomas is here to break down the sport of pickleball, the business of pickleball, and where pickleball's going next. It's gonna be a great show, so let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to season four of the What Do We Do podcast. I'm your host, Dewey Stefan, and today is another guest episode. That's where we bring on a leader in the community who has a story to tell, knowledge to share, and advice to give. And then we bring them on in the podcast to share their experiences and their life lessons with all of us, because together, everyone achieves more. And today's guest is the hottest guy in the hottest sport in America right now, Thomas Shields. Thomas, great to see you. It's good to be here. That was good. I think the you nailed it. The hottest guy in the <laughs> hottest sport. No yeah. pressure. Yeah. It's great to have you on. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm going to start right here, right now, okay? And uh, the question that I'm going to start with is, you're one of the top pickleball entrepreneurs in the country right now. So let's just tell everyone what it is you have and why is it so valuable? Yeah, so the the premise, or I would say, what we started with is, is a newsletter. So weekly newsletter, now we're three times per week. It's free, tips, strategy, the latest news and headlines, and that's kind of how we started. From there, we branched into a second newsletter. And so between the two, we have 150,000 or more readers, and then we have uh, a main website, which is kind of like a, a news site, sort of like the front page of Pickleball. And we have two podcasts hosted by top pros in the game, and then the biggest social media presence in the, in the sport. And this has all taken 10, 15 years to evolve, right? It's been a slow, tedious process, am I right? No, so we, um, we got lucky. I think we timed it right. Uh, my family happened to become obsessed with Pickleball, which is this weird thing nobody knew about about two years ago and I knew I wanted to start a side hustle. I chose pickleball because it was proximate and relevant to me at the time and sure enough uh, probably within a few months we realized that something was really happening here. Fast forward to today we've got Kevin Durant, Tom Brady, Magnus Carlsen uh, and every other big celebrity getting involved in the sport so what's happening is, is pretty insane and we're, we're just trying to ride the wave. And the company or the name that kind of started it all for you was The Dink, yeah. right? Is that kind of the uh, overarching, um, I don't know, um, center of it all? Or is that just the beginning of it and, you know, kind of lay out all of those different things, the podcast, the yeah. newsletters, the blog? And then the question I'll ask ultimately is, you know, is it like a bar stool? And yeah. is it ultimately, yeah. okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a good comparison. Um, we're less like the ESPN of pickleball and more like the bar stool of pickleball. Uh, but yeah, the, the dink was the original name and the dink is essentially a, a short shot that happens at the net. It's pretty pivotal. I mean, you, you need to be good at dinking and it's kind of like a patience game in order to be good at pickleball. So it's sort of like a, a slang term from the sport. 
Uh, but now our umbrella, like our, our umbrella company is Upswing Sports, and then we have The Dink and kind of these other ventures underneath it as well. Gotcha. So The Dink is important to keep The Dink in the kitchen. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So why do they call that the kitchen? I'm going to jump around in terms that, of the that is a slang term. I'm not sure the the root of that one, uh, but it's also called the non volley zone, which is a little more descriptive. Can kind of help people wrap their head around it. But slang is is the kitchen. Got it. Okay. And so with the dink being kind of like the bar stool, if you will, uh-huh. is the entire upswing sports or the entire empire that you're, you know, building one piece at a time. Is that going to be more like, you know, Gary V and his, you know, media um, network or is there comparisons yeah. there? I think originally the idea was we are going to replicate the Dink model in other emerging sports. Now we're using the Dink as kind of like a, an investment vehicle to go take minority positions in other ventures within the sport and hopefully eventually outside of it. Uh, so the other two that we're really involved with right now, one is an, an app for court scheduling, organizing, uh, organizing play, helping coaches better transact, uh, finding courts and kind of has like a Strava component. Uh, so we want that to be not only for pickleball, but also for tennis and then Padel. I don't know if you any, know anything about Padel. Some people call it paddle. But that's kind of doing what pickleball is doing in America, but across the country and in Europe and South America. And they just launched the Pro Padel League. So it's kind of taking off in the U.S. now. Um, And then beyond and that that's called Bounce. Right. So we're raising money for that right now. Hopefully by the time this airs, we've closed that round. We're about 80 percent of the way there. And then the other is uh, an apparel brand that will start in pickleball. But we hope to kind of grow outside of that once we have some traction. Uh, within the sport. And there's a handful of other things that we're involved in as well. We're doing virtual leagues, we're doing physical events, uh, and then of course just trying to continue to build the dink uh, and make it the, the best media property within pickleball, kind of like the the voice of pickleball, if you will. Right on. And uh, in a lot of ways you're already there, right? So on yeah, this, on this sure. podcast, a lot of times we say we're here, but we're just getting started. So yeah. with all you've done, it sounds like a lot, but I think you're just getting started. Yeah, I would say we we definitely are. That's why we have a lot of irons in the fire. We're trying to do all these different things right now. I think the Dink is a nice lifestyle business, um, but you know, media can only scale so much unless you leave that niche that you're in. And we're very niche right now, despite the sports growth. So we need to do some things outside of pickleball media in order to make this a a real big business. Uh, Right now, it's a nice business. I want to build something that's uh, substantial. That's awesome. So I'm going to try to break the podcast today into three main components. One is the sport of pickleball. Mm -hmm. The second would be the business of pickleball, which you just touched on a little bit already. Um, and then the third will be just kind of you as an entrepreneur, you, um, you know, where you started and where you are now, but where you're going. And that'll yeah. talk about those other sports, paddle, padel, mm-hmm. um, you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah. with that, like, let's talk about pickleball. From my research, yeah. it started back in 1965. Yep. But maybe just only two years ago, there might have been only, I don't know, two, three, four million people playing it. Mm-hmm. Now it's gone like exponential. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll let you uh, give the history and kind of just why is it the fastest growing sport in America? Yeah. Depends on who you ask. I think it's just because it's very accessible, it's very easy to pick up. The learning curve is very short uh, and it's cheap. It's cheap to play. I mean, you can go get everything you need for 100 bucks on Amazon. 
Uh, and then also the infrastructure, right? So any old tennis court, any basketball court, any hard surface can be easily converted into a pickleball court. Lots of people are playing in backyards or driveways or even in the street. So all those things just make it a very accessible and easy sport to, to pick up. Also, it's insanely addicting. When you, when you play, you're going to play again. You know, very few people play just one time. Yeah, I've played and I just started uh, playing, you know, maybe uh, less than a year ago. Yeah. And I do come from a racket sport background, yeah. originally tennis and then squash and racquetball. Mm -hmm. And um, this pickleball, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, don't tell anyone, but um, it does yeah, it's have easy on the body too. I should have said that. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask about that because a lot of people say that it's easier on the body, but literally if you look at Facebook or other social medias where videos on YouTube where people are playing the older set that loves it, they're still wearing, you know, I don't know, arm bandages yeah, yeah, right. and Well, they're um, falling apart. Yeah. I, I should say though, right at while I say it's easy on the body, um, a report out of UBS was released earlier this week and all the pickleball haters were running with it. All the tennis traditionalists were running with it. This is why pickleball sucks. But uh, basically, they were saying that they believe that part of sort of the surge in healthcare costs is a result of a surge in pickleball participation. I think it was like projected to cost the health insurance industry three hundred seventy-seven million in in twenty twenty-three. So we'll see if uh, they actually hit that number. But. I was talking to Eva Welsher. She's uh, she's one of the top senior pros. She just won the U.S. Open. She's from Gross Point, so she's a Michigan woman. I was talking to her about it yesterday, and she made a great point, and I agree with this. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to bring that up, you should also bring up the fact that there are millions of people now who would otherwise be sitting on the couch, and now they're playing this sport. They're reinvigorated. They're getting competitive again. Their cardio's up. They're living healthier lifestyles. They're feeling better mentally. There's all these benefits that far outweigh the 377 million figure that uh, you know big tennis is uh, is saying is the reason why pickleball sucks and should be abolished. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that 100%. That's kind of common sense. You got to take uh, take it from the first level down yeah. to the second level yeah. to really get into it. Yeah, there's an interesting report nonetheless. I think it's totally valid. It's just funny to see the different groups kind of run with it as like this reason why. Uh, you know, pickleball is bad. But, yeah. So those of you out there are going to become nurses or a physician's assistant or even docs. Yeah, this is, just you go, should love pickleball. Right, you should just get a pickleball specialty. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pickleball specialist. Moneymaker for you. Right, why yeah. not? Just put that on your business card. That's great. So um, in addition to what we just talked about, again, 1965 to five years ago, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to say no one knew what pickleball, and no disrespect, but it's a wiffle ball ball mm -hmm. and it's like a paddle which is on this table which is some versions of a ping pong paddle yeah and or as the padel paddle is that the same as a paddle tennis that's um you know on some they courts all have there? different yeah i mean there's a racket there's a paddle tennis paddle there's a padel paddle there's a pickleball paddle there's a ping pong paddle and they're all very different they have similarities but yeah they're they all have kind of their own industry behind them and uh, their own technology so they're very very different but now, again, pickleball went from nothing for 40 years, maybe yeah. longer, to now just, again, this moonshot. Uh -huh. So is it because of the aging demographic? Is it, you know, I don't know, some marketing scheme that you created yeah. yourself? Yeah. Are you the mad scientist? Maybe you're the Elon Musk of pickleball. Yeah, well, he just tweeted the other day that he thinks pickleball is going to take down tennis. And that also pissed some people off, but it was cool to... Cool to see that. But yeah, when we started, I mean, there wasn't even another Instagram out there with, you know, 
over a thousand followers. The only way to get pickleball news was this one Facebook group, the Pickleball Forum. Now that's completely changed. You know, there's a new, my company's The Dink, there's a new The Dink uh, copycat every single day, right? Uh, I think that it's weird. There's like the ratio of people who play, who want to create content in pickleball to who play pickleball is like really high. Because people who play it are super passionate. They want to tell everybody about it and they want to make it their life and their, and their career. So I think that's pretty interesting. I don't know what caused the, the crazy surge recently. COVID definitely helped. There was a COVID bump. A lot of people were saying, well, once COVID's over, uh, you know, the participation, it's not going to continue to grow like this. They were wrong. It's gone exponential, as you said, and uh, I think it's going to continue to do so. So it's interesting. I, to be honest, I'm not sure what really caused this, this crazy spike, but um, we're happy it's happening and we're going to take advantage of it while we can. Well, and for those of you out there watching and listening again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Make sure you give it a download. Make sure you give it a subscribe. Give it a share. Leave a comment. As we say, you know, we're all a team and together everyone achieves more. So again, thank you for tuning in. But um, on that same uh, note, with pickleball, just the name itself, pickleball, I've um, um, seen you say in other interviews that you actually kind of like the name where most people are like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. it would be a cool sport yeah. if it had a cool name. But nah. it's kind of a, you know, it, I'll let you tell that story. No, I mean, yeah, pickleball, it's tough to take something called pickleball seriously, right? Like I understand the criticisms. Uh, I understand why from the outside looking in, it looks like this goofy sport and, um, it will be that until you play it and then you'll understand it. I think the name lends to memory. You remember the name Pickleball, it sticks in your mind and it makes people say when you hear it, you go, wait, what? Right, and, and um, I think that actually gives a, an advantage to Pickleball. Uh, it is so unique, it kind of stays in people's minds. So while it's a quirky name, I think it actually uh, is a good thing for, for the sport, so. And I've come around on that. We used to always speculate, like, what would be a, ne a better name for pickleball? Let's change this name. Um, but now I'm like, no, this is this is perfect. Yeah. And um, people who haven't played, I encourage you to go out there and give it a try. Yeah. And you probably will be addicted to it as well. Mm -hmm. But at least you'll again, you'll get your heart rate up, and you'll have a you know an experience that you really haven't had before with any other racket. Yeah. Sport. If you're if you're looking for like good exercise where it feels like you're not doing a lot of exercise, um, the I used to. Uh, always have a whoop on when I would play and the starting stopping motions in pickleball really jacks your heart rate up So it's great for your HRV uh, And it's great for cardio. It doesn't feel like you're doing a lot of work um, But from a cardiovascular perspective you are doing a lot of work um, So if you if you're a whoop person, you'll see your uh, Was it your burn or your strain will be really really high when you when you play pickleball? Uh, it's 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 great for you. Yeah healthy and happy good get after it. Yeah, um I've noticed since I've uh, picked it up that I want to play more and do more. And there's, um, you know, gyms out there like Lifetime Fitness. Every community seems to be yeah. putting some pickleball, uh, pickleball yeah. courts mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. But it really seems like everyone tells me the same thing. The courts are always full. Yes, you can jump into a game, but you got to wait. It's almost like pickup basketball, but yeah, with, yeah, right. you know, I don't know, um, 10x the number of people that are trying to get into it. So uh -huh. it seems like that's almost, you know, a cog in the wheel or, a, you know, a challenge because maybe some people will actually get turned off or maybe that's the supply and demand. And, um, yeah. you know, maybe that's, again, as the uh, Elon Musk of Pickleball, maybe that's your, your whole plan. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, there's definitely a shortage of courts right now, but there's also a ton of money flooding into these different ventures that are trying to build the infrastructure. Some are just building new facilities from the ground up. Some are like this Chicken and Pickle, which is a restaurant and pickleball. Uh, there's a couple companies that are attempting to turn dormant re retail space, specifically within malls, into pickleball courts. The malls like that because it's bringing foot traffic into the mall. It hopefully goes to the rest of the stores. Uh, and there's all sorts of, of um, other companies that are, are trying to figure out ways to um, either build or convert old space into pickleball courts. All right, and we're going to get down that road. That's the business of pickleball, and yeah. I'm so fired up. But we're going to stay to the sport for another minute and get to the pro level. Like you said, yeah. uh, there's a pro tour. Maybe there's two. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with yeah. um, um, the woman from uh, Gross Point. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But talk about the, the sport of pickleball at the highest level. We started at the uh, novice yeah, level. Yeah. Let's get up to the pro tour. Yeah, so there's two tours. Uh, there's the APP and the PPA. I'm going to throw a lot of acronyms at you, so get ready. So there's the APP and the PPA. The PPA is like the premier tour, uh, but the APP is still uh, really great, brings in a lot of uh, great talent and great pros. People love to watch that. And then there's Major League Pickleball, which has really been in the headlines because you've got Durant, Brady. Um, you've got European soccer stars like Mesut Ozil. You've got tennis stars like Nick Kyrgios. You've got the best chess player ever, Magnus Carlsen. Uh, you've got celebrities, I mean, Verlander and Kate Upton. I mean, you 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 name the person, they're probably invested uh, in Major League Pickleball. They auction off teams. They're going into their third season now. Uh, the draft is going to be actually in Central Park in New York. Uh, in a couple weeks, we'll be there. Uh, and that, I think, is really interesting because it's sort of like this team format. Uh, it creates camaraderie, animosity, which is good and brings the energy. It, it makes a really great TV product. Uh, but I do think like the pro game has a long way to go. There's still a question mark on whether it'll be a true spectator sport. The participation is going to continue to skyrocket. So I think if you want to build a business, a surefire business in pickleball, you should go for the casual player and the participation, probably real, re, uh, real estate, uh, building courts. But I think the pro game is taking some really interesting steps to be you know, potentially like the, the next PGA Tour or the next MLS. Will it ever be an NBA? Mm, probably not. But, um, yeah, there's some really interesting things happening there. The problem is, like, a lot of these top pros, they still need to teach clinics and they need to coach and they do, do these other things to kind of supplement their income. There are, probably, I would say, probably the top 20 kind of just play and compete and through, you know, brand sponsorships and endorsements and then, you know, uh, appearance fees and winnings. They can create a sustainable income, uh, but everybody below that is still trying to figure out how they can hack together, uh, um, you know, uh, a decent lifestyle. But that's that's changing, and and every year it's it's taking big steps forward. So, do they have you know an age demographic? Again, we talked about it's a sport for all the ages, but are these pros? I mean, are they younger and fit athletes? Again, it makes yeah. sense that they come probably from the tennis background. To yeah, the it's degree. evolving. It's evolving. They're getting more athletic. They're getting younger. I would say that, you know, we just had James Blake on our podcast uh, earlier this week. He was, uh, you know, top U.S. men's tennis player. Now he's an investor in Major League Pickleball. And the whole conversation was kind of tennis versus pickleball, what that means. And one of the conversations was like, yeah, so if you are a top tennis player, you could probably convert to pickleball and be pretty good right away. You can be really good in singles right away, but everybody cares about doubles. That's the real product. And that has a ton of nuance, like the dinks and 
you know, not going in the kitchen and um, being very strategic. And it's, it's a very cerebral sport at the highest level. But there's still an advantage to being young, being a true athlete. Uh, and the two top players, so the top woman right now, she's 16. She's just got her driver's license. And she is an absolute phenom. And then her counterpart, Ben John, and that's Annalie Waters, her counterpart, Ben Johns, is, I believe, 24. And uh, he's a great athlete, and he's been kind of like the dominant player. And, and he's sort of like the first real personality that we're seeing sort of evolve in the sport that people can get behind and is bringing people from outside into the sport, right? You kind of need that Tiger Woods who has a compelling story, who people like, and who brings people into the sport with him as he sort of rises to, to greatness. But I, I think we still have um, a long way to go on the player development side. I think if you are like a, a good tennis player, you know, maybe you played college and now you're trying to go pro, but you can't crack the top 200, it's starting to look a little more interesting and a little more attractive to go play pro pickleball because you're upside the chances that you're going to be a great player in pickleball and benefit from all these endorsements, um, that's starting to look uh, a little more plausible, I think. And uh, each year it changes and gets better. So I think we'll see more and more development. You know, that makes a lot of sense, especially um, I've seen it here um, locally um, that, again, there's not that many pickleball um lessons that you can take or that many yeah. pickleball uh, pros that can teach. So maybe that I liken it to um, a touring professional in golf versus your local country club professional. Yeah. Uh -huh. And you can probably make a, if you're good enough at pickleball to just know how to give lessons. Yeah, for sure. And you could probably just make oh, yeah, a, a bunch ton of money. Doing that right, right now. Yeah. yeah. So whether you're young or old, <laughs> um, you can go make that your side hustle and oh, for uh, sure. right? make, make it a full-time hustle down the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I watch uh, the pro or just high level pickleball, I like it when they're all four at the net and they aren't necessarily doing dinks. They're doing the, the fast know, fire, the fires. fast fires and they're up, but they're all got the reflexes and they're going, going, yeah. going. So in terms of, you mentioned, you know, as a spectator sport, I don't know if I could watch that for an hour. It's right. almost like the quick, I love that. And then swipe into the, to the next, you know, yeah. rally or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the staying power of watching, maybe again, that's like golf. I don't, maybe you have to be a really diehard fan. Part, watch part of it night. is you need to play and understand what the hell you're even looking at, right? Those dinks become a lot more interesting when you understand what yeah. they're doing because you've played, it's like golf. When you get out there, you understand what it means to hit it from 150 out right next to the pin. But you don't really get how difficult that really is until you've gone out there and shanked a bunch left and right and really started to respect and appreciate the level of skill that requires. Uh, so better storytelling and then just getting more people playing, I think can solve for that to a degree. Still need to figure out the camera angles and, and stuff like that. And I would say the cameras do not do it justice. Those quick firefights at the net, you don't understand how fast that ball and the hand speed these players have. Uh, it's, it's insane. And um, I don't know, we got to figure out a way to help people really understand that and, and appreciate that. So. I think from where it's come from five years ago to two years ago to now, I think you and the entire um, world of pickleball is on the right track because you're yeah. getting there fast and furious. Um, <coughs> in addition to those, you know, fast firefights, um, there's also, um, you know, maybe statistics. Like, so besides just their talent. Yeah, there's like no stats in pickleball. It's, it's tough, right? You got like the saber metrics in baseball and... Um, there's all these amazing stats coming out of basketball now, like player efficiency and stuff. 
we need more of that in pickleball. Even like tennis, like for you know, first serves in or you know, yeah. know winners at the net or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. There's only a handful of people even doing stats. I mean, like it's tough to even. If, as somebody in media who needs to be reporting on this stuff, it's very difficult to find like compelling statistics that can help tell a story. Um, but again, there's different groups going after that and, and solving for that. And you know, there's all these things that need to improve, and there's different groups t- attacking these different components. And so it just it improves incrementally in all these different areas each year. And so I think in two years, the game's going to be way different as far as, you know, how we can really tell the story and, and make people understand what's actually happening out there on the court and why they should be tuning in every week. Yeah, that's awesome. And for those, again, who haven't played or aren't that familiar, um, there is singles pickleball, but the main driving, I think, um, league or play is yeah. the doubles. Yep. And then it can be... Um, um, men and men or um, mixed. I've I've done mostly just mixed. Yeah. And um, is there you know one that seems to stand out over the other? Especially again, I've seen at the pro level, uh, genders playing genders. And I've seen the mixed, and again, I don't know. It's just all awesome. But is there something that's um, you know kind of leading the way? Yeah, men's and women's doubles. Um, they're they're the most interesting to watch. Uh, and unlike most sports, people really appreciate the women's doubles more and the women's game generally. In fact, the the way the women play is a little bit different. They stand further from the net. Um, they leave a little bit more room, so they have better reaction time. And uh, that means that those points are more likely to end in those firefights and quick hands battles and more just like exciting highlights. So a lot of people really, really like to watch women's doubles. It's pretty much at parity with, with men's doubles. On the mix side, though, it's typically like, okay, the, the stronger player is going to take more of the court. That tends to be the man. Uh, and so when you watch it, you've never seen it before. You don't understand what's happening. You know, like in social media, people are like, that's sexist. Like, that guy should stay on his side of the court. And it's like, well, you don't understand the, the strategy, right? The woman will get mad at the, the men's player if he's not coming over and taking shots, right? Um, so there's roles to be played. And again, that's another one of those things that like you really don't truly appreciate until you've played some some mixed doubles at a competitive level. Well, on that note, that's a great segue. We were introduced by uh, Kim Mattis. Yeah. And uh, she and I were playing uh, doubles, mixed doubles uh-huh. at the the club that we belong at. And um, through all of this, she knew I had a podcast and said, you know, that you'd be great to have on because of all of this. And same thing. She's always like, why is everyone picking on me? And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, but when she when she has her firefight back, you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, it is kind of the interesting dynamic of the woman player versus the man player. And that's kind of back to, to golf, where the women's game of golf, um, you know, they always talk about their smooth swing and they're always just again, they're approaching their the way they play different than how the men play golf and so I really I've seen four women play pickleball at our local club and um, it's it's almost more fun to watch than the men because the men just want to grip it and rip it Uh some of them that are more um, advanced know about the dink but the women everything they do is um, strategic yeah yeah definitely there's a little more chess happening on the typically it's the right side right so you have uh, on the left side you have a right-handed player forehand in the middle because typically it's two righties and the women's right hand is sort of out of bounds and they kind of play their corner and they know how to play that corner really well. And there's kind of like a, more of a, a chess component to that role. And people, I don't, I don't think realize that yet. Um, but you know, they will, they will. 
Yeah, uh, we'll wrap up the sport of pickleball, but how about um, anything else with it being the sport, not the business, but the sport side that uh, we should share with anybody uh, watching or listening today? No, I, I think we did a, a pretty good job of covering it, actually. Okay. Yeah, That's uh, pickleball, the sport. Um, a to Z, real quick. All right, let's go to the business of pickleball. So, yeah. again, the fastest growing sport in America, I think 65 million uh, players, something like that. But let's talk about the economics. Um, is there a number that you or UBS has put on the entire market of pickleball? And how's that growing? And uh, where are we going with that? Yeah, I think it was uh, the big goal that sort of the pickleball enthusiasts would repeat over and over again was 40 by 30. 30, 40 million players by 2030. We blew through that. And now the big question is, okay, well, what's actually a feasible number? Like how many people in the US will actually be regu regular pickleball players? I mean, the number suggests it's gonna be like a third of the country is gonna be regularly playing pickleball. Uh, that I don't think we've seen in any other sport. And pickleball can be played at the youth level and at the senior level and they can play regularly, they can play hours on end. What other activity can people 60 plus, 70 plus play for three hours at a time? I don't know. I don't know that there, there is one. Um, and so it has that unique quality to it. And we haven't even gotten the youth to start playing. There's more colleges uh, playing now. My little brother plays for uh, the Michigan club pickleball team. Uh, and he was a lacrosse player, right? He And he's one of those guys who would scoff at pickleball before. Like, this is such a goofy sport. I'm not playing that. I'm a lax player. Now he's on the, you know, club team at, at Michigan. There's more of these club teams popping up. Um, there's uh, a company that's trying to build, like, the College World Series, right? So once the, you know, it's it's totally lopsided. It's, it's you know, it was an older demo sport, and it slowly trickled down. Now everybody, I'm 30, everybody my age is starting to play and pick it up and get really into it. Now we need the youth to get into it. And if we kind of have all three of those segments playing, um, the participation is just gonna be unlike anything we've, we've ever seen, so. So with the participation, and we get that, uh, we have youth soccer, which you know has taken over the country for yeah. decades. But then it people stop playing. Right, doesn't have the same cachet. We have MLS, certainly. But right, and nobody we, cares. Nobody, nobody, nobody cares. wants to watch it. But the MLS is doing, I mean, those, those teams now are hundreds of million dollars uh, a franchise. Uh, so that's completely changing. We got Messi coming in and playing for Miami now. So, um, you know, if, if pickleball can get to what the MLS is, I mean, that, that'll be a, a huge success um, from the pro standpoint. But the participation, like you just don't, you don't see that drop off of, as you get older. In fact, you right. see an escalation as people get older, more people play. And, um, so, yeah, you know, like youth baseball. I played baseball growing up. I don't, I don't watch baseball. I'm not going to go play a pickup baseball game right now, right? right. Um, so pickleball has that staying power. With uh, the youth, though, would they, you know, psychologically say, I'll get to pickleball later? Yes, it's yeah, younger, yeah. but that's what my grandpa, grandma play. Yeah. I'm going to play padel or I'm going to play, I don't know, you know, lacrosse. Right now, yeah. Them. But I, I think that perception is changing, and I think it'll it'll continue to change. It's such a social game too. Like you don't have to go out and just like compete or get a workout in. You go out with some beers, you go to a social event, right? And it's great for guys and girls to kind of play together and, and mix. And so um, there's this whole like social component where you're, you're making friends and you're having fun, you're having some drinks, you got music out there. And uh, so I think uh, that's really interesting. I mean, there's companies built on just doing these social events. 
and it's like a mixer more than it is like going to play a sport. Well, we're going to talk about the business, and so I think there's probably different revenue um, silos or different you know subcomponents yeah. of it on the business side. But let's start with what you just said. Our club is looking at again getting more capacity, and so we found maybe down in Florida, maybe they're in the Texas market as well, but um, companies that are very similar to Top Golf, where they basically yeah, I guess yeah, the whole right. pickleball court folds up into the back of a uh-huh. truck or a can. Uh, camper of some sort and they can drive around and they can pop it up and you can have a bar and you can have a whole social business. Yep. So those are like franchises you can even get into, right? But so maybe mm-hmm. let's talk about that part of the revenue of pickleball in terms of, um, you know, again, playing it as a social interaction and then we can get into some of the deeper dive. Yeah, well, I talked about, so there's this company called Pickle, Pickle Mall, right? <laughs> Pretty, not a very creative name. But basically, they're going in there, you know, if uh, Nordstrom was in a, a mall and it shut down, I think Nordstrom's doing all right, but, you know, some, some business is not doing that great, shuts down, they go in there and they turn that into pickleball courts. Um, there's all sorts of businesses going after sort of the top golf of pickleball. I mentioned chicken and pickle. There's others that are doing sort of the, the franchise model. They've raised millions and millions of dollars. Uh, there's a few groups, many of them are friends of mine, and uh, I think they can all coexist. I, I do think there's a little bit of saturation right now as far as like how many different groups are going after that. There's definitely going to be some, some losers, but I think if you pick the markets strategically, um, you know, there's room for a lot of these businesses to, to really thrive. And uh, so we're seeing, we're seeing more and more of that. So do you think that would be like on the franchise side, or you have to be a developer and you have to kind of just own everything outright or again it's that there's sort of like the pickler just raised i think like 25 million dollars and they own and operate all their clubs um there's uh, another business it's called ace pickleball club and they're doing the the franchise model right so they're going out and they're recruiting franchise owners in their different markets we had a call to do it here in in michigan we were entertaining it uh, my cousin took a call he was thinking about doing one in in chicago um so there's there's both and one of the things people don't realize, one of the, the majority investor in Topgolf just bought the Pro Pickleball Association. Right. Uh, so there's that tie-in too. Uh, and even he, even he's looking at pickleball. Like he's got the formula, he's got the playbook, he's got the company, but he's he, he's in the know, right? Because he's in the pickleball world, and he sees all these different groups going. He's like, I'm not touching it. There's too many people going after this right now. Um, so I think that's really really interesting to see. I mean, I've seen 20 plus decks on different groups trying to. Uh, build pickleball facilities around the country. So I think there's going to be a lot of successful businesses and there's going to be some some losers. Um, you just got to pick your, your markets, right? Or if you are going to go into a, a big market, you got you to be the first one there. Yeah, well, all of our listeners, all of our viewers, you know, take notice of that. It's kind of similar to AI. If you just throw AI in what it is, I have a coffee cup company called AI Coffee Cups. Um, you know, you might get some people that just want to invest in it because the term <laughs> yeah. AI. I've yeah. got a pickleball company called. Yeah, if you've got a pickleball AI company, you yeah, raise $100 right? million, dollars, you don't right? even have to tell them what you're going to do. Just build a deck and yeah. make it uh, make it uh, pretty, and there you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but back to the business of pickleball. Um, 
the gold rush, 100 plus years ago, great, great, great grandpa talked about it. But maybe pickleball is the same thing. And so with the gold rush, it, was, it wasn't the person who actually panned for the gold and, and grabbed the nugget. That, who sold the pickaxes. Right, the picks and the axes. So maybe it's the, the $100, you called it, uh, pickleball kit. Yeah, or the picks it, and axes or the pickaxes. I don't know. That's what, right. One of us right, is right. Right, right, right. But and it seems like, again, the whole world of pickleball can just be uh, based off of that from a business perspective, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of really great groups going after uh, the retail side, equipment manufacturers, or um, just being like the total golf of, of pickleball, right? My, my uncle runs a business that's in tennis wholesale, and so he has relationships with clubs around the countries with, you know, Head, Wilson, uh, a lot of the Babolat, a lot of these tennis companies that are now coming into pickleball. He spun up a, a retail shop that's called Frometh Pickleball. There's Pickleball Central. Um, and so there's all sorts of uh, plays on like the equipment side and a lot of great groups going after that. Uh, yeah, then the, the facility side, I think the apparel side has not really been tapped into, at least not in, a, in an impressive way yet. Like there's no apparel brand out there that like represents the pickleballer. Like even me as, a, as somebody who plays pickleball, like there isn't a brand that I go to buy like my gear to, like, to wear when I go you know, play or, or compete, right? So I think there's an opportunity there. We're working with the group and uh, helping them raise money. We're gonna take a small position in, in that company, I think is gonna do it really well. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, even like footwear, you know, there's no, there's no like dominant pickleball shoe yet. Um, but there are a lot of groups going after being the ball, the paddle, uh, and um, I think, uh, there's honestly, there's like a new one of those companies every single day <laughs> and they all reach out to us because they want to advertise. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be uh, a lot of losers in that space, but there's going to be a few emerge and are going to become, um, you know, like the Easton of, of pickleball. So, yeah, I think I was talking to you on the phone and I said that there's a company and I have a, you know, a kind of a moniker or a, a phrase that I say all the time, booyah. And uh, there is actually booyah pickleball. And I say uh, booyah or I spell booyah with uh, two O's and two A's. So B-O-O-Y-A-A-H and the normal way it's just got one A. But so as soon as um, someone saw that on Instagram, they sent me like, you know, to that page to follow because booyah, booyah pickleball. But yeah, they have everything from hoodies that say just, just the name pickleball. It's just booyah pickleball. Again, it could be Thomas pickleball, right? But um um, the paddles are anywhere from, I don't know, 20 bucks to 220 bucks. Yeah, 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 they're um, getting up there. With the apparel, I noticed, you know, going to the local um, athletic store, um, the shoes that you mentioned, and then the eye, eyewear, the glassware. Yeah, so that just seems like maybe because a lot of it's outside, maybe it's in the south in the winter for the snowbirds. Yep. Um, but again, it just seems like um, from all of the retail apparel and equipment, it just seems like you could just uh, go on and on and on and on forever. Yeah, and then I think the other the other um, the other way to really make money in this in this sport I think would be tech having the right app having um, you know like there's not enough courts it's tough to schedule a game uh, it's tough to find courts if you do find courts you want to know are they permanent nets are they temporary nets that's a that's a big deal are they permanent lines or are they taped down lines on a on a tennis court right okay, if you do find that good court. Most likely, there's a long line, right? So how do you know they're going to be open when you go over there to play? How can you ensure that you have, you know, your window to put you, you want to be able to schedule that, right? 
And then you want to be able to reach out to your community and get people to play and organize games, right? So we are, um, we, I'm actually a co-founder of an app called Bounce. Um, we've raised about 80% of a, a seed round to go build an app that will do e exactly that. Um, so I think there's a, a nice uh, tech opportunity as well as people flood into the sport. That's great. And then all of those courts and all of those uh, play times, you're going to have to have some beverages to stay hydrated, mm -hmm. maybe some protein bars to keep uh, some nutrients. So I'll have a little add on there and I'll let you know if I'm going to be uh, delivering all of those yeah. extras on the courts and some towels to wipe your brow. You know, mm -hmm. we'll uh, mm -hmm. we'll do some other accessories that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sound good. All right. Well, let's segue now into you and your you know business, which is, a, again, from pickleball. To whatever now, to whatever in the future. So maybe give you know a few minutes of just your backstory. Um, I know you did your undergrad at University of uh, Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio, yeah. Is that right? And then um, in grad school now. So I know uh, congratulations is almost in order. You're finishing up uh, your yeah. MBA, and uh, and I we talked uh, offline about. I don't know why you're getting an MBA. Entrepreneurs don't go get MBAs. Right. Those are when you're uh, working for the man or the woman that you need that to keep going up the ladder. So yeah. maybe just uh, give you a little backstory. Story, and then your hustle with the dink will we'll bring that full circle. Yeah, so I was finance undergrad at Miami, uh, went into investment banking. I actually worked at Greenwich Capital Group over in uh, in in Birmingham there. Uh, and you know, I I don't I've never asked these guys this, and um, your audience probably knows some of the the partners over there. But I bet if if I were to ask them, and I'd say you can be honest, they'd say I was the worst investment banking analyst ever. And it's because I despised investment banking. I just was not passionate about it. And um, I knew I wanted to do something different, which was kind of when I started to think about getting an MBA. In that same time frame, I went and worked for a startup in New York. I was like, I want to get some startup experience. Uh, and that was great. I was employee four. We went to an eventual 50. I was leading sales and operations there. Um, but still thinking, okay, I want to go do my own thing or I want to take that next step. I think an MBA makes sense. I come from a family where there's a lot of MBAs and they encourage that. And so, uh, you know, started taking the GMAT, doing all that studying, applying to programs and around the same time. So I took the GMAT for the last time and a week later I wrote the first issue of the Dink newsletter. Um, so had that timing just been a little bit different, I think uh, if the Dink had had gotten a little bit of traction, I would have said, all right, I'm not going the MBA route. But the Dink was still kind of like this side hustle. I was trying to figure out what it was going to be uh, when I enrolled at the University of Texas, uh, their MBA program. Um, now, since the, the business has really taken off, I spent way more time on the business, obviously. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting some of that time back when I, when I do graduate. I think if I could do it over, I would not have gotten my, my MBA. Uh, but we're at a point where we're gonna we're gonna see it through. So, well, and I think that's important. And again, for all of our listeners and all of our viewers out there, we've had other guests on the show that came from nothing and built multi-billion-dollar empires, mm. and they all have said um, the same thing, which is the one <laughs> skill that they're glad that they have, or if they don't have it, they wish they had, was to be able to read their P and Ls, understand the balance yeah, sheets, yeah, the, right. the books, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so by having you know the MBA, that's gonna obviously serve you well, you didn't have to Definitely. finish it, but um, taking things to the next level where you're talking about fundraising or you know doing joint ventures and partnerships, mm -hmm. that's stuff you're not gonna learn you know, um, probably any other way unless you're right. you know, interning for someone who's got it going. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's great. And then you know, 
it didn't just come easy. I know there was a period of time when you were in a van going cross country and selling things out of the back of it or whatever the case is to now you're, um, again, you are the MC for, you know, the major events out there and you're announcing um, the play-by-play or whatever it is for Mm -hmm. some of these tournaments. So maybe just talk about that full circle that, you know, people don't know it didn't just come overnight. Yeah. So started writing the newsletter. I was still working full-time in New York and, you know, had just finished kind of taking the GMAT and and all that. Uh, At the time there was no there was no pickleball news, pickleball media, pickleball content. Uh, so very quickly we were able to make a name for ourselves just by putting good content out there that told the story of pickleball. So we got traction pretty quickly. And I mentioned my uncle. He comes from the tennis wholesale side. I had built this pickleball brand. We are my whole family's obsessed with pickleball. He came to me and was like, what if we took our connections from the wholesale side, we built out a, a retail shop underneath the Dink brand. I was like, Let's do it. So um, we kind of spin up a site. We get a Mercedes Sprinter van. We wrap it in the logo. I'm driving around from pro tour stop to pro tour stop, setting up stores. Uh, and we had a whole team, right? And we're, we're just trying to sling merch, sling equipment, um, and, and really just make a name for ourselves while still doing the media thing. Eventually, my uncle and I were like, all right, we kind of got two different visions here. Let's separate out the businesses and, and let's run them separately again. And uh, so at that point, it was like, okay, now it's it's sink or swim time, right? Now we got to really make a real business just around the media side here. And part of that was doing affiliate sales for retailers like my uncle. So we still work together all the time, but then just building that audience. And um, so, yeah, I, I think of the Dink as, as a publication first and foremost, but we now have all these other channels that we operate that bring in revenue for us as well. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think uh, because nobody else was feeding the pickleball community information and content about the thing that they loved so much, we were really scratching an itch and able to get traction quickly and continue to just capitalize on that and, and grow and foster that audience. Um, and so now I look at the Dink as like a, a vehicle to go do other things, right? We can lend our brand power to an apparel brand, to an app, to uh, an events company. And we can take a minority position in those companies. And so we kind of build a portfolio of majority and minority investments within this fast-growing sport. And that's kind of how I think about the, the Dink today. It's, it's this, and it really, it's, it's upswing sports. The Dink is underneath that. And there's all these kind of sister and, and brother companies to that. That's awesome. And then again, with the Dink and now having 150,000 plus subscribers with the twos newsletters and the mm-hmm. blog you talked about and all the social media, that doesn't happen overnight as well. And right. so you can't just go, I mean, you can, but I, you'll get shut down. You can't just go buy subscribers, um, you know, that uh, we all know about how that'll probably not work out for you. But yeah. um, you can do it organically. But I think the way that you did, if you went, uh, might share that story with our audience about how you thought outside the box and were very strategic. Yeah. And again, put a lot of effort and a lot of work in to get to where you had your first thousand subscribers or followers. And yeah, you know, that was important, right? Yeah, the first like thousand subscribers was um, we really just hacked the process, thought outside of the box. Um, again, I mentioned that pickleballers really got their information from Facebook. So we had an advantage in that they all sort of collected themselves in these. Uh, in this one Facebook group. Um, and uh, The Pickleball so, Forum. The Pickleball Forum. And we work with them now. Uh, they're a good partner of ours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we were... I, one of the things I did very early was 
I went into that group and anybody who was active in that group, I would friend request them. And I sent thousands of, of friend requests. Once you're friends with somebody, you can invite them into a private group. You can invite them to like a page and you can send them a message that they will see. So we were sending thousands of friend requests so that we could build our page, build our group, and we could DM them and say, hey, listen, we've got this great newsletter, speaks directly to what you're interested in. You should sign up. And it was a really manual, high volume process to do that. It was working, so we went and hired some freelancers. Um, I think on like Fiverr or Upwork or, or one of those. And they were basically doing that job for me behind the account where they were just sending thousands and thousands of messages to kind of get uh, those, that, that first foundation of, of subscribers. Once you, once you have a foundation, there's all sorts of things you can do to incentivize that audience to grow it for you. Um, and then we you know, started to monetize it. So we had some capital we could spend on social ads and uh, you know, we could um, give rewards to people who are helping grow the news that are giving pickleball paddles. If you get to X, you recruit X subscribers, right? Um, and there's all sorts of other things and we could go down a, um, quite the rabbit hole. Um, you know, the newsletter industry, I don't think people realize how, how big it is and how much money is there. Um, but if you could just get people reading an email, uh, you can have a, a pretty, pretty nice business. Um, but you, know, you don't want to have anybody in your subscriber list that isn't opening and actively engaging with the newsletter. So there is churn and you have to overcome that churn, right? So even if the audience is organically growing itself, you're also having people drop off. They just don't want to read the newsletter anymore. So you have to find other ways to grow it so that you can stay ahead of the curve and you can kind of outpace that, that churn. Um, and also you just want to make sure that you're not bugging people, right? I want my audience to enjoy what we're sending them. And so, you know, while we have 150,000 readers now, you know, we've probably had 300,000 or more over, over the lifetime, right? We hope some of those people will come back. And again, uh, you want them to be engaged. You really want them to be there. Um, and we're not going to talk about today, but when we, um, with my team, we talk about um, where we're at and where we're going. We discuss that early days of social media, um, if you had the content, then people would find it. They, they Google searched or you yeah. know, what it is. Now it's the other way where you have to have the community, maybe mm -hmm. the subscribers, the followers, the mm -hmm. listeners. And then once you have them, then you can put in good content. But yeah. if you have really great content right now, um, but you don't have an audience, no one's going to hear this right. amazing story or see this amazing thing. So, and that we think's changed from five years ago where um, you know things are evolving. So again, we won't go down that rabbit hole. I'm going to pivot one time, and I'm going to pivot again right before the end. But um, a new segment that we're coming up with here for season uh, four of the podcast is what we call high-low. So real quick, as it relates to your business and starting the dink to where it is now, give us uh, a high point and give us a low point, whether it's for you personally or the business, but a high point of the business and a low point of the business. Um, okay. Good question. I'd say we could, we could start with the low points, which are, I think I have, you know, one a day at this point. Uh, and they often would come with, you know, we were building this great thing, which is this pickleball media business, but always in the back of my mind, I'm like, how big can a pickleball media business be? How big can a niche media brand be? And while I might be able to build this nice lifestyle business, this isn't a $100 million company, right? So 
while we're putting all this work and we're seeing this positive feedback, we're growing and uh, you know, we're, we're getting all this um, attention, ultimately I knew that we needed to do something bigger. We needed to be doing more than what we were doing, which sounds like a lot when you're putting all your energy into growing this thing. Um, so that is, that is a constant stressor. It is to this day. Um, but you know, one of the ways we've thought about overcoming that and building something bigger is kind of creating this portfolio of businesses, right? It's not how do we release new pieces of content or new products in the media side. It's how do we use our brand power because of the media side that we can now go leverage these partnerships with other brands and become investors uh, and actual partners with a stake in these other businesses, right? Okay, now to like the high point. So there's been some really cool moments. Um, maybe I can just like list a few. So one was like, you know, I taught Kevin Durant how to play pickleball, right? That was a very uh, unique thing. I have DMs with Jamie Foxx, where Jamie Foxx is sending me like voice recordings talking about his pickleball game. And I'm going back to him like, oh, are you sure you're that good? And he's like, I'm good, man. And he was going to play uh, Larry Fitzgerald in a rec game. So he's, he's sending me voice recordings telling me why he's better than Larry Fitzgerald and how he's going to beat him, right? Um, we got to air, uh, interview Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, I got to spend time and um, really like get to know Mark Cuban when he started investing in, in um, pickleball. Uh, we were invited to host the, I hosted um, with my podcast co-host, the um, live draft show for Major League Pickleball live from Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, a historic tennis stadium. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to do a live podcast and show uh, for Major League Pickleball's draft from Central Park uh, in Manhattan, which is going to be really cool. So these are all these moments where you, know, you get into and you're just like, man, I had no idea when I started writing this like newsletter where I didn't know what the hell I was doing at the time that I would be sitting here today or um, hanging out with Kevin Durant, talking to Mark Cuban, hosting live shows. Uh, so there's been a lot of really cool uh, moments like that. That's awesome. That's a lot of highs. And the lows are certainly there along the way. The lows are every day. Yeah, but yeah. all of this, uh, to all the listeners and viewers, is in the last few years, right? This is only two, and, know, a half years, two yeah. and a half years. That's awesome. And as we always say, you've done so much, but you're just getting started. Yep. So on that, we're going to go to the next pivot, which is the part of the show that I love the best. Instead okay. of uh, what do we do being the podcast, this is going to be the what Thomas do segment. Yeah. And so what would Thomas go back and tell his 18-year-old self or any other 18-year-old uh, out there today? Start a side hustle immediately. I don't care what it is. Start something. Try something. Um, if you have uh, even a slight entrepreneurial itch, go scratch it and just see what happens. Worst case scenario, you got something great for your resume. My little brother's, um, I mentioned him, he is uh, going to be a junior at Michigan. And I'm just trying to brainwash him. Go blue. Yeah, go blue. I'm trying to brainwash him and, and uh, make him go after his own entrepreneurial thing. He's smart enough. I'm, I'm like, I'm a believer that uh, if, you know, if you're a decent level of intelligence, if you just find that right thing for you, you could build something successful. I mean, you, you don't have to have to be a genius, right? Uh, I was never somebody that got great grades. Uh, I was the worst investment banker of all time. And, uh, you know, I was able to figure something out. And I think most people can. So if I were to go back, I'd be like, hey, listen, just try something. 
See if you can sell something online. See if you can start a service business. Go start cutting lawns or something like that. And uh, you'll just learn so much that then you can uh, apply to anything you do uh, down the road. That's awesome. On our podcast a lot, we talk about the average millionaire has seven income streams. (laughs) Seven is the average millionaire. And we Uh don't want to be average at the What Do We Do podcast or Great Lakes Wealth. So we encourage all of our listeners, viewers, and our clients to have 11. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a perfect 10. One better than a perfect 10 is a perfect 11. Yeah. So go get 11 income streams. And a lot of those would be passive, and we'll talk about that some other time. But again, a side hustle is another stream of income. So mm-hmm. absolutely, whether you're working on Wall Street or Main Street, find yourself a hustle, Yeah. then get a side hustle. Yep. And then go find a few more hustles after that. Yeah. Um, great. Well, we're uh, getting close to wrapping up the show, uh, Thomas. It's been awesome. But tell us uh, in a few minutes, you know, what's next? You mentioned... Yeah. Uh, paddle, padel, um, in terms of um, sports and activities with upswing or just you in general, you know, what's next after you uh, graduate uh, next spring with your MBA? Yeah, so I think I, I mentioned most of them, right? We're raising money for two ventures right now. One is the apparel, uh, another is the the app. So I, I hope to have those kind of in, in full swing by the time this this airs. We are launching virtual leagues across the country. We're doing uh, a run of physical events, um, so just pickleball tournaments. And uh, so we've got like a lot of different things going on right now. And we're trying to just continue to build the dink and build that audience and um, continue to separate ourselves as sort of the voice of the fast growing sport in the world, so. Well, you got a lot going on. And as we said before, you're just getting started. Um, right. Anything else you wanna uh, share with our audience that you've got cooking? Um, anything else you wanna share before we head, head, head out and call it a day? No, I don't think so, this has been great. All right. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, Thomas, for being here. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. And to all of our uh, listeners and viewers out there, as I always say, live your best life, be radically generous. A great big booyah to ya. And this is season four with Thomas Shields. But we're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.